0: Welcome to the High Performing Human Podcast, where we talk about how you can reach your potential as an athlete through nutrition, fitness, recovery, and everything in between. I'm your host, Hannah Boyle, registered dietitian nutritionist, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. So um, last week or it was two weeks ago, I ended up sitting down with a number of other individuals in the sport athlete recovery training space. And we talked about recovery specifically, we got into a few other topics, but recovery was our main point of interest for this um Uh, Instagram live that we did. So what I wanted to do today is take a dive. I took some notes on that podcast or on that Instagram live specifically to create a podcast. So that way I could give you guys the, um, the information from that in a more compact form. So Just as a preface, um, this talk was specifically for athletes. There are some things that we touch on that may not be so much athlete-related, but when I talk about athletes, it's somebody that is at a higher level, has been exercising or doing movements for a long period of time, and recovery is an important piece of what they need to do. So for someone at a lower level, recovery may not be as large of an impact, um, but just know that recovery practices are still important to get in the habit of doing. It's just at higher levels, you'll need these recovery practices for more improved progress. So, The talk that I did was with three other individuals. We had Russell Yankee, who is a pro power lifter that just competed at the Arnold. We have Jimmy Schroeder, who is a online and in-person personal trainer. And then we had Tim Sala, who is a doctor of chiropractic, as well as having a um, recovery based practice for athletes. So we got into conversation and we started talking about some of the things that we do individually for recovery or how we make sure our bodies are primed to do the best that we can for ourselves when it comes to making sure that we are fully recovered. And part of that is working on those joints that are heavily loaded. So for example, Russell was talking about how he does a lot of band work with the joints that he uses regularly so you know you're thinking about the the bench press and you think about like the shoulders and elbows for instance however he will do a lot of light resistance and high reps just to make sure that the blood flow is going to those areas of the body and making sure that that stays improved because Um, He also spoke about um, his personal experience with injury and how he had to use, I mean, he kind of used different aspects of his training, recovery tools at Maya, which is Tim's practice. Um, And then, you know, even talking about how nutrition strategies are important as well, really sped up his recovery time for his own personal injury so you know when when we deal with injury i think it's really important to remember that not only do we have the aspect of like maybe a physical therapy component but also how nutrition how your current training practices and even how additional recovery techniques can be beneficial to help you come back from that so at the beginning of the podcast I feel like the warm-up, which is the preface to recovery, is the um, best place to start here. So when we talk about the warm-up, you wouldn't necessarily think that we're talking recovery, but in order for you to recover properly, make, make sure to avoid injury the warm-up really is a key piece to what you're doing and then we'll also talk about like the the cool down too but the warm-up is meant for you to prime your body um, use some of the muscle groups get blood flowing to the muscle groups that you'll be using for your training session that day now We did have a question come in regarding like static versus dynamic stretching before exercise. So static stretching is what you would see when you were doing... A stretch and holding it for however long you would hold that stretch. A dynamic stretch or a dynamic warm up is something where you're moving through the motion. So thinking about um, if you are doing going to be doing deadlifts, having a um, barbell or a band and doing good morning. So kind of stretching out those hamstrings with a slight bit of load, but also moving through that and not just sitting there stagnantly and not moving. So what happens with static stretching is it elongates the muscle and it decreases strength output. So Jimmy gave a great example where he said if you want to, you know, before you go do deadlifts, go do some or some hamstring curls, you know, sit in a, you know, straight legged um, seated position and stretch out your hamstrings reaching forward or do a standing forward fold, you know, hold that for two minutes and try to go lift and it's going to be quite difficult you're not going to have as much strength output as you would um, maybe doing something a little bit more dynamic for a movement Um, static stretching decreases nerve function so that you just don't have as much of those nerves firing in order to help you complete that movement so really a dynamic warm-up with light loading is key and then allowing yourself to stretch for 90 to 20 seconds, um, doing static stretching after the exercise is done. And that's another thing, um, that again, people tend to miss is the preparation, but also it, the cool down aspect, what's important to do after what words. And you know, it's, it takes extra time, um, But that's also something that I'll get into a little bit later in this podcast, reminding you that stretching and recovery isn't sexy or fun, but it's necessary in order for you to become the best athlete that you want to be and in order to avoid a lot of injury and um, other increased risk of poor outcomes. So another thing to mention, um, we did get a specific question about shoulder mobility. And I would have to agree that the shoulders are probably a joint that does not get as much work as necessary. A lot of people do have poor shoulder mobility. Um, We talked about the aspect of doing like overhead squats and just some people's ability to do those or not to do those. Um, So, a couple of the recommendations for shoulder mobility, and this is specifically to after working, you know, the shoulders, the chest, the back, hanging from a pull up bar with small amounts of movement just to kind of work through um, loosening up those joints a little bit. Soft tissue work, so getting work done specifically on those joints. Um, but when, even when you're doing like any sort of these stretches or, um, you know anything really. Know what your limits are and start off slow. So if you're moving through some of these movements and trying to do some um, stretching and stuff like that as part of recovery or active recovery, discomfort is okay. But when we get to the point of pain, that's definitely something that we don't want to see. Um, and recovery or Stretching is an important part of recovery because having full range of motion in a particular position for a particular movement is so important to avoid injury. And if you aren't using that range of motion, you will end up losing it. So it's one of those scenarios, if you don't use it, you lose it type of things. And we wanna make sure that we continue to have the full range of motion for what we want to do. So that way we can produce more power output, make sure to avoid injury and continuing to move forward with that. So as I mentioned, you know, recovery and stretching isn't sexy or fun. It's not a new PR. And that's where the, I want to talk about the importance of delayed gratification and how really all of this is playing the long, long game. It doesn't happen overnight It honestly doesn't even happen in a week and stretching does not equal like like I mentioned like it's not equivalent to a big lift so it doesn't get as exciting you know you sit there and stretch and really your body is getting better but you're not seeing the results um directly and even if you do hit a big lift due to the fact that you have an increased range of motion or you know you can now put your shoulders over your head so you can do an overhead squat a lot of times we aren't Realizing that some of those gains are actually coming from our recovery and from stretching. So, also um, the importance of delayed gratification, even with the way that you're eating. So, we talked a lot about how younger athletes tend to eat like shit, and that's because you have these younger individuals with higher levels of metabolism, and they're really able to eat whatever they want because they're burning off so many of these calories. But I think it's important for us to look inside out when we do talk about nutrition. And when we talk about nutrition from my aspect, from a performance aspect, it's not always healthy and performance-based, there are some nutrition aspects that, for performance, that aren't exactly the prime for making sure that you are as healthy as possible. Just taking weight cutting, recovery, and weight cutting um, nutrition as an example, you know that's not exactly the most. I wouldn't recommend everybody to do that, but it's a um, it's ingrained in the culture of those types of sports and so it's something that we need to do and we need to do safely so that is part of performance nutrition um, another piece of performance nutrition being increased carbohydrates through gels goose, very high sugar um, foods and that again is not necessarily part of what I would recommend for somebody on the day-to-day but it's an important piece of recovery That being said, there is a way to reduce the effect of, you know, poor health on performance or having issues with compromising health for performance so one of the things that we can do is obviously when you are working on building muscle increased calories is key well we can still get those calories in a way that are optimal to avoid any long-term damage to your um, blood panels avoid any long-term damage to your overall health And this is also an important piece that we talked about is getting your blood work done. Um, If you don't already, having like an annual adult well visit to get just your basic labs done, having a lipid panel, getting a basic um, metabolic profile done, getting um, a blood count done, just so that you are able to see how your practices are affecting your overall health and if any changes need to be made. It also helps to see if you are dealing with any other specific issues, um, if there is an underlying cause that can be found in your blood work. So, The biggest thing with that is I think that we need to take um, not just the outward appearance into account. So for sure, I mean, you can be an 18-year-old male with a six-pack that eats McDonald's every day, but it's because he's in the gym for two hours a day or, you know, on a sports team that requires long practices and you're just burning that many calories. And we, we don't see the implications of those food choices until later down the line. And I think that's something that needs to be brought to our attention. Uh, No matter how many calories you're burning, the actual food choices and the quality of food that you are considering is, it's a long game. It is that delayed gratification. It's making sure that um, you do have the proper nutrition and proper recovery for where you're going to be 10 to 15 years from now. And not only that, you know, you may be able to get away with eating those types of foods and feel like you're performing well, but what could really happen if you did focus more on quality of nutrition? How much better could you perform if you were making the better choices when it comes to nutrition and recovery, making sure you stretch, doing all the stuff that isn't fun, that isn't sexy, but it's going to make you a better athlete. If you think you're good now, just imagine how much better you could be when you add those things in. So, the the biggest issue with that is the inconsistency overall for eating, training and maintenance. A lot of times We get into these patterns of eating well during the week, eating like shit on weekends, eating well during our in season, but off season, we kind of just let things go. And that can be for eating training and recovery, um, maintenance, body work in the off season. That's when you should be hammering things in harder and working on achieving your goals not just letting things go and ignoring it. So I really want to make sure that think about having a plan for how you're going to approach nutrition, training and recovery maintenance for each part of the year based on what your sport looks like. One other area um, that we ended up getting a question on was sleep. And um, just if, if you're not able to get enough sleep, which sleep is a huge piece of recovery, if you're not able to get enough sleep, what's the next best thing to do? And as far as sleep hygiene goes, the best thing that you can do is make sure that you're getting around eight hours of sleep a night. I don't care if you say, no, I run better on five hours of sleep, you're fucking lying to yourself because there's only a very small percentage of people that actually do run better on fewer hours of sleep. And I can guarantee you're probably not one of them because everybody else that I talk to thinks that they're that person as well. So sleep wake times are actually more important to solidify than the number of hours of sleep So that has an impact on your circadian rhythm and getting your circadian rhythm in check can actually help your more of your sleep hygiene and making sure that you're getting the recovery that you need from your sleep. So for example, people that work different shifts might sleep for you know six to seven hours but feel like they didn't sleep at all because their circadian rhythm is out of whack and their body is not registering that sleep or they're not able to fall into a deep enough sleep to get that recovered feeling. So the best thing to do is set a specific wake time and this is for weekdays and weekends so set a specific wake time that's consistent across all seven days of the week and then try to obtain a normal bedtime and ideally we hit that bedtime that is within the realm of being able to get seven to eight hours of sleep Um, but no matter what I would say start with that consistent wake time and and start there um, so the biggest thing is though, is if you have a rough night of sleep, or if you end up getting um, lower amounts of sleep than normal, um, it's really important that your training follows that same trend. So if you are lacking in sleep, you are probably going to need to decrease the load of your training. We don't want to overstress the body too much, and that's again where injury is going to happen because. We are um, our nervous system is and as recovered, our nervous system is a prime to take on the heavier load and it's going to feel just a lot heavier on the body. So take that into consideration as well when you do have poor sleep. So the next thing to kind of touch on, which is something that we already talked about slightly, is the nutrition aspect of recovery and carbohydrate use. So my biggest take-home message for recovering nutrition is adding in carbohydrates. All too often, all I see is people doing the protein shakes afterwards, and that's simply because we have had this indoctrination of supplement companies of the protein powder, because protein makes muscle, and muscle is what we're, you know, working on, and this, that, and the other thing. What we need to be aware of is that our, while our muscles are breaking down and we need the protein to build those muscles back up, it's the carbohydrates that we're burning during our workouts and that we are depleting. So we need to make sure to replenish those carbohydrates so that way we are fueled for the next workout and that way our body can function properly. There's a process called gluconeogenesis, which literally just means creating new glucose. And glucose is sugar. The carbohydrate breaks down into glucose for your body to use as energy. So if you are not providing your body with enough carbohydrate, it will use other sources of substrates in your body, including protein, in order to create sugar because that's what your body needs for energy. That's the most important thing. That's priority number one is make sure your body has energy. Worry about building muscles later. So if you're giving your body a high influx of protein but not any carbohydrates, you may not be using that as ideally as possible when it comes to carbohydrates around workouts like I like to think if you want to have some type of simple carbohydrate some so thinking about carbohydrates that digest quickly um, simple sugars fruit juice um, some types most types of fruit um, white grains so not whole grains but like white flour products Those are best to prime around your workouts. And that is because you're going to use them quickly. We had a question regarding glycemic index. And glycemic index just further creates a continuum of simple versus complex carbohydrates. And the glycemic index is how quickly a carbohydrate is digested. A higher glycemic index is needed closer to exercise. That is that it's going to be more quickly digested. A lower glycemic index is more for long term use and storage. We also had a question about carbohydrates in the morning or in the evening. I really don't care when you consume what type of carbohydrates. The only timing I have for carbohydrates really is how you frame them around your workout, the types that you have before and after. Um, Some people find that evening carbohydrates help them sleep. Um, carbohydrates before bed do help increase the production of melatonin. However, some people find that eating too close to bed decreases their recovery due to the need to digest throughout the night versus repairing other issues. So that is a personal preference. I highly encourage you to um, try both and document how you feel, whether that is you you know, try carbohydrates before bed for a week and see how your sleep and recovery is, or if you try not eating within two hours before bed and see how your recovery is. Uh, another thing to note with the like, post-workout carbohydrate, somebody had mentioned um, a question regarding using Gatorade Zero for recovery. So Gatorade Zero, we are pretty much agreeable across the board that this might be a drink to use for weight loss if you need something flavored um, it's, it is lower calorie, but performance, it kind of misses the mark because it has the electrolytes you need to replenish and rehydrate, but it does not have the carbohydrates that we need to fuel performance. Um, and just on that note, um, Gatorade and Powerade have a better electrolyte profile than some of these other drinks out there. However, when it comes down to it, if we're using it for performance, we want to make sure that it does have the carbohydrates in it. Now, when it comes to electrolyte replacement, electrolyte replacement is important because when you sweat, you have your magnesium, potassium, sodium, those different types of substances leaving the body. So we want to make sure to replenish those because not only are we sweating out water, but we're also losing all of these other important minerals as well. And athletes most of the time really don't need to be afraid of consuming salt. That tends to be a common thing. Um, Athletes, especially depending on how um, salty their sweat is, will need much more salt than the average person. Um, I also want you all to be aware of the fact that your sodium can be too low. And that's another important area of getting your blood work done to check your sodium levels. Personally, for me, um, in the summer, my sodium does, or my sodium is chronically low, but in the summer when I sweat more, I end up with low blood pressure and lightheadedness because of the lack of sodium in my blood, in my system and that causes um quite a bit of issues for me and I do have to take electrolyte supplements regularly um now when it comes to like looking at what type like forms of salt that you could should consume um or if you do have issues with hypertension or high blood pressure and you're told to remove salt from the diet most of the time the salt in your diet is not Substantial by the salt that you add at the table or with seasoning. It's the salt that are in processed foods. So I would start there, making sure to have more whole foods, foods that aren't, you know, preserved, canned, boxed, frozen things tend to be higher in salt. There are some exceptions, but just kind of keeping an eye on that. One of the last things that we talked about is recovery versus adaptation. And we're really pounding the recovery, you know, looking at what you can do as far as making sure that your body is primed and ready to go for the next workout. Um, But some of these practices can be a little bit of overkill uh, because you don't allow your body processes to go through the full stress response of exercise. So stress or... exercise is a stressor on the body and what our body does is when it experiences a stressor it goes through and it adapts to that and creates different changes in your body to create that adaptation so you know you stress the muscle the muscle rebuilds it becomes stronger now when we're doing recovery we're if you know if you're doing like the full ice bath if you're doing anti-inflammatory um practices if you're continuously doing like all these things to reduce inflammation you're reducing that response to the stress and you might not see the progress that you are so hoping for so just be aware that we want to make sure that we have a healthy balance between being able to recover and having that adaptation to stress um So just to kind of as an overview and a few take home messages that you can do right now in order to help improve your recovery and making sure that you're doing it in an adequate way. Make sure that your training has a structure so that way you do have deload sessions. So every you know six to eight weeks five to eight weeks you're having a deload where your weight is lighter you're not going all out and that on that same note, we're not maxing out daily. We're not, you know, really maxing out every week at that point. We need to make sure to allow our nervous system to reset so that way we can see the most gains and the most progress. As far as stretching and mobility, create a 10-minute routine on a given day. Um, make sure that you are including overall general um, your whole body. Now, if you're doing a workout that is a little bit more intensive in one body part than another, maybe you add in some extra. But if you can create a 10 minute daily routine for stretching and mobility and just put that into your day, that's going to be a that's going to help you move forward by leaps and bounds. Carbohydrates are king after workouts as I mentioned we want a good combination of carbohydrates and protein but carbohydrates are often missed and carbohydrates need to be in higher amounts than protein normally about a three or four to one ratio. Also making sure that you're eating enough. This wasn't something that I mentioned before, but all too often people aren't recovering because they aren't giving their body the fuel that it needs. So just as I mentioned that you're not necessarily getting the carbohydrates that you need and your body is pulling from protein. Well, if you're not getting the calories that you need, your body needs to pull from the the energy it already has, which is, you know, maybe fat in, in your system and burning more fat, but it could also be your muscle as well. We wanna make sure that the movement that we're doing is helping to stimulate repair. So this is another actionable item that would be active recovery. So picking one day a week that is not a hard exercise day, but you're doing some movement, getting some blood flowing to the joints that you've been using, get some blood flowing to those muscles, and that could look like a long walk a bike ride just some light light cardio we're not going hard this could be light weights and just moving those joints this could be some of those like that band work that I was talking about at the beginning just light resistance and higher reps so adding in an active recovery day throughout the week and then also making sure that you have a full recovery day so the way that I like to set up my own personal training is five days a week of hard workouts, programmed workouts, one day that is a complete rest day and one day of active recovery where I'm still doing a little bit of something, making sure maybe I do a yoga session or something, but not anything that's too strenuous. And when all of these things, you know, I I gave you guys a few actionable items, a quick little overview. But with any of this, start slow, allow your body to acclimate, um, don't jump into any of these things drastically simply because a lot of the time what will happen is you'll f- become overwhelmed. You'll find that you have issues with sticking to trying all these things at once or doing too much at once. As well as the as I mentioned, you know, some of these things we want to make sure that, you know, any sort of stretching or Uh, mobility work we're only at a slight discomfort we're not experiencing large amounts of pain and if we go too hard for too long that can definitely produce some of that pain over discomfort when it comes to like the stretching and mobility work so keep all of that in mind I hope you enjoyed all of this information and we will talk to you again soon Go ahead and give me a follow on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at HPH Nutrition. And I look forward to talking to you guys again soon.